The month of May began with the St. Louis Cardinals atop the NL Central standings, headed into the all-important first series of the year with the Chicago Cubs. Of course, the Cubs promptly swept the Cardinals right out of Wrigley and sent them spiraling through a disaster of a month of May. Meanwhile, the Cubs took hold of that top spot in the division and haven't looked back. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds, just in time for another series preview. If this is, however, your first time here... Hello, I cover the St. Louis Cardinals for birdsontheblack.com, and I aim to bring you video content right here on YouTube that keeps you in the loop and entertained, even if you're a Cardinals fan that's a bit disgruntled, shall we say, by the way your team is performing on the field right now. Now, to help me help you be prepared for this weekend series in St. Louis, I brought in from Cubs insider Evan Altman. Here's our conversation from last night. Evan, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to help us set up this series. Much different stories right now for the Cubs and the Cardinals, but thanks for uh, taking a little bit of time to share that Cubs side of the story right now. No problem. Uh, glad to glad to be on. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. It's uh, it's a little bit a little bit different to maybe be uh, speaking to a, a different audience. So that's uh, a little bit exciting, I suppose. I, I, I'm kind of fearful for my Twitter feed after <laughs> this. I don't know. We'll, we'll find my, out. My audience tends to be pretty receptive to these things. They they uh, like to get a little bit of insight before they see the team. Now, they know the Cubs pretty well, so maybe there's a little bit more uh, to this series than, than any other series. But the last time the Cardinals saw the Cubs, it was a very different story. The Cardinals went into that series leading the division, and it's been all downhill since then for the St. Louis Cardinals. As far as the Cubs, though, a lot of things have been on the up and up. So I guess let's start with talking about this lineup, because... There are a lot of guys doing a lot of really great things right now. Can you kind of pick out a, a guy or two that has been the most impressive in this stretch? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it starts with Anthony Rizzo. I mean, he's just been scorching hot and, you know, being there in the middle of the lineup. And, and, and this is a guy who traditionally has some slow starts, right? And he did that this season. And we saw for a while that uh, you know he and Bryant were both off to a really slow start, and then all of a sudden they've kind of turned that around. And, and really, uh, Bryant having missed a couple games, he came back. Uh, you know, we're recording this here Wednesday night. He hits a home run tonight, so he's kind of coming back. So you've got a lot of thunder there. But another maybe kind of weird one is Kyle Schwarber. Um, the numbers don't really show it, but he's taken over in the leadoff spot where uh, everyone knows he kind of famously flopped a couple years ago. And now he's, I mean, he's taking walks. You know, he walked to lead off the game the other day. And then Rizzo drives him in with a homer. He leads off today's game with a home run. And so he's really starting to put it together and be the kind of table setter that they just haven't had coming into this game or, or, or I guess coming into this season or the last two seasons or ever since Dexter Fowler took off for St. Louis. Really, they've been lacking that guy. And he's he's kind of being that right now. I'm curious your thoughts on that lineup situation because there's always a lot of conversation, a lot of frustration with fans about who's where in the lineup and why they're there and who it should be instead. I mean, Schwarber's not really the prototypical leadoff guy, but you've seen some guys that maybe aren't that stereotype in that top spot. How much do you kind of buy into this where they hit in the lineup and how important that really is? Because we're having that same conversation in St. Louis right now. Yeah, I, I, 
it's it's tough to say, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's uh, it's a results. Joe Madden would say it's results bias, right? If if you win the game and you're scoring runs, then nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. It's it's when things slow down, right? Then you're like, oh, they need a traditional leadoff hitter. Um, but it is as long as you get the guy, and, and really, there's so many things that have conspired to lead them to this point. You know, uh, the situation with Ben Zobrist and not being around with the team. You know, he's kind of that on base rat. Uh, you know, Daniel Descalso is a guy who they use there a lot early on. He's slumping pretty terribly. Albert Almora Jr., another contact type guy, but not an on base threat. So, really, they've just you know Madden is having to go through and play like okay, let's let's do hot hand, and eventually it's come down to Schwarber being that guy because again he's got such great on base skills. He actually does run well. People don't really recognize that about him, and and you know the power is one of those things that uh, I've kind of touted for a while, whether it be with him or I've advocated for maybe Chris Bryant being up there. If you can hit, and we saw it tonight um, with the Cubs game, if you can hit a leadoff home run, the team that scores first usually wins. And so having a guy with power up there, not a bad idea. So, you know, I don't come down on it having to be a traditional uh, leadoff hitter. I think I think you're better off, again, the best season the Cubs have had in uh, recent memory in the last uh, 100 and some years was with Dexter Fowler up at the top, being that, again, an on-base guy, a little bit of pop, could run well and just figured out a way to set the table for the guys behind him. Ever since then, they've been kind of struggling for that. So really it just comes down to who do we have? Who Who's the best of a bunch of not great options? Again, right now that's Schwarber. Next week it might be somebody different. I'm curious as it pertains to Dexter Fowler, when he was so good in that leadoff spot, was it – I, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to ask this question because he hasn't been hitting leadoff for the Cardinals for a, a season and a half now. They just moved him back into the leadoff spot, and I don't think he has he hasn't picked up a hit in like four games. <laughs> I don't think he's been on base other than he got hit by a pitch, I think, in the first game that he was back at leadoff. And he was in that kind of 6-7 spot in the order most of the season and really phenomenal, doing all the things that Dexter Fowler should be doing. So I guess my question is, when he was in that leadoff spot for the Cubs, what was it that made him so good at what he does? Which is a weird question to ask because the answer is he was getting on base, but he looked so much more comfortable there than he has in that role since he came to St. Louis. Yeah, and I, and I don't know that it's one particular thing. I know for a while there he was he was consistently up near the top of the National League in terms of pitches per plate appearance. And so you think about you know in addition to what you're actually doing, whether that be getting on base or get you know be, via the hit or the walk, you're showing the guys behind you the stuff that this pitcher has, right? What how's he going to attack me? What's the velocity look like today? What kind of movement is he displaying? And if you're up there seeing five or six pitches in that initial at bat versus being kind of a first pitch, and that's Again, where a guy like Almora, maybe not suited for that. He's an aggressive swinger. You know, somebody like a Javi Baez, they're going to go up there and take their cuts. A guy who's going to be patient and who's willing to get into those deep counts and still be able to keep his same approach. Fowler really set the tone up there. And, and I think that was a lot of it that we saw. In addition to just getting on base, he really was that guy who sort of drove, you know, was that they, they had the, the you go, we go. And they, that was kind of the little mantra that they had around him. And he was that dude who, if he was up there and he showed you a good plate appearance that first time up, it just gave confidence to the rest of the guys in the lineup. And I think they really fed off of that. And, you know, I think that's been difficult for him when you have kind of that experience like that. And, and he, he really, everything kind of came together in that 2016 season. And I think that sort of, 
I don't want to say that was a curse for him by any stretch, but it did set the expectations so high for him. You know, the game seven leadoff home run things like like you you don't you you don't go up from there. So I, I think that did um, maybe and and getting the big payday. I think, and we've seen that with a lot of players, the expectations that come with that and moving to a new city and, and kind of being expected to carry the weight for a new team where he wasn't expected to do that in Chicago, I, I think did kind of put him in a in a bit of a predicament. David Freeze can relate to being the postseason hero and then never no. being able to live up to that again. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, I think there's, there's a lot of guys like that, yeah. right, who made a reputation <laughs> on a few games when everybody was watching, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is hard to do for a whole season. You go back and look at those guys later. You know, they've got they're they're legends, right, in the city for the fan base. Sometimes in the game, as far as their postseason went, and then you go back and look at their careers, and you go, huh. Wasn't really this a whole lot kind there. Of mediocre. That's weird. I only <laughs> yeah. remember him being awesome. Oh, this because I only saw him play seven times. Right. You know. Right. And then, now when he's in my city playing, I have to watch him every day. And it's, exactly. Wow, he's actually mortal. This is strange. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to hit walk off home runs and triples every single night of of the season. Weird. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's sort of been the, the situation with, with Dex. And I think there were some high expectations. I think he had really high expectations coming off of that season. He was great in 2017, just hasn't really been able to, to put it together. I say that while I will also say he's been fantastic for most of the season. It's just, you know, the irony of I've been saying all year, Dex needs to be at leadoff. Dex needs to be at leadoff because he's playing like a leadoff guy. And then they move him from sixth to the top of the order and he does nothing for a week. So it's the way it works. Generally it's a, <laughs> you, you try it's a, you can sound really smart yeah. until something comes along to prove you one way or the other. Right. And then you know, you're kind of forced to go up against it. So it's, it's, that's why I was like, you know, back Chris Bryant lead off back Chris Bryant lead off and they haven't done that. So I don't get a chance to look dumb yet. Right. But when that happens, <laughs> I fully anticipate being made to look like an idiot. So that's fine. Let's talk a little bit about Chris Bryant, though, as well as Anthony Rizzo. Um, there are multiple legitimate MVP candidates in that lineup. I mean, it's it's always there's always that risk of knowing what they can be and not living up to it. See Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> yeah. But when you see not only one of those guys, but two or three or four of those guys living up to that, how much confidence is there in this lineup right now that it could be any one of those guys on any given night? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to look at it and say, well, there, I mean, there's obviously a ton of confidence uh, again with, you know, Rizzo has a home run the other day and then you've got five home runs hit uh, Tuesday night. You've got two more hit uh, Wednesday night. They can all take it out of the ballpark. They can all most Rizzo. Let's not put the base running thing on him yet. He stole a few bases once, but uh, that's, but they, they can all win in so many ways. And I think, again, what's helpful is, is like I talked about with Fowler earlier, no single one of them, and that's, I think, what hurt Bryant early in the season. He was pressing a little bit and trying to take on that responsibility. None of them have to win the game. And they all know that the guy behind them or the guy in front of them can win the game. And so they're all able to go out there and just, just be and just play uh, and know that, hey, if I don't get it done right now, the guy behind me might get it done or I can get it done the next time because he's going to help me out with it. And that kind of confidence then becomes infectious. And they're all, you know, they're all pulling for each other. They all enjoy that. And uh, and it's it's easier to perform on your own if you're confident in the guys around you to also get it done. You don't have to hit the home run every time. So uh, I think that's really been what's driving them, even with little injuries here and there, 
or uh, you know, just the guys get nicked up, that really helps because the other three or four can step up in their absence and you don't really feel it as much. And then when they come back, then you're just that much stronger again. I think that's as much the idea that that hitting is contagious as it is the actual hitting, right? It's just that guys can kind of settle in and not feel like they have to be the one every night to come up with the big hit. That seems to make a difference. Also making a difference, though, is getting good starting pitching. Um, the guys that we'll see for the Cubs in this series, looks like it's going to be Darvish, Quintana, and Hamels. Talk to me about those three, because I feel like this starting staff had some question marks coming into the season. They've had some moments where you're kind of going, is this really is this really what we're doing here? And then they've also had some really, really stellar performances. Yeah, and it's it's as as anything is going to, right? It's It's been pretty cyclical in nature, <laughs> and it started out, you know, right? Like early on uh, through his first, I think, seven starts, you know, John Lester led the majors in ERA, he had like a 1.16 ERA, and now he's just absolutely cratered in the last three starts. Um, you know, you Darvish, wasn't even being allowed to get to 80 pitches and, and Joe Madden's pulling him. He says, Oh, I don't, I'm not confident. And, and then, um, you know, his last start, it, Darvish goes back out for the eighth inning at a hundred and some pitches, uh, in a fairly ill advice. So it, it's, been, it's been weird to watch. Um, but I think the thing that has stood out, you know, is you, you have a, a bunch of guys who, despite being a little bit up in, uh, in the age, you know, they're all into the thirties, some of them very much so, They've all still got great stuff, uh, Hamels and Darvish in particular. The stuff is just as good with Hamels. The changeup is always there, Darvish with the cutter and the slider. But what you're seeing, and, and at least with those two in particular, Quintana has been a lot more aggressive. And we've seen him be a little bit more consistent. Uh, and, and so I think he's the one, if he's right, he's going to be aggressive in throwing strikes. Hamels and Darvish have been really odd at times in that they don't know where their fastball is going sometimes. Mm which is a really crazy thing for Hamels because he's generally, I mean, he's, he's just so consistent. Most times Darvish is, is a little bit out there and he's even joked about it. He says, I'm you Darvish. I'm going to walk people. But when you have a pitcher like that, who doesn't know where his four seamer is going to go and who has <laughs> to throw cutters and sliders, because that's the only things he could throw for strikes. It's a little bit frustrating. Um, but we've seen he's, he's reared back and thrown 98, 99 at times and displayed a really nasty slider. So, the key with him is if he goes out and he pitches his game and he can be aggressive and command the strike zone early, he's virtually unhittable and he can get deep into the game. The problem is so often he's gone out there and done exactly the opposite. And he's at, you know, 30 pitches through the first inning and, and now he's just he's shaken up and, and people are getting to him. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Hamels has not looked very sharp at all in his last few starts. And, and that's a bit of a concern. Again, with a guy, that's what we saw from him in Texas before the Cubs traded for him. That's why his value was so low, that and, and the money that he was owed. And so it's going to be kind of interesting, you know, but you get writing a couple lefties. It's uh, it's one of those things that Cubs can really kind of alternate that back and forth and, and very different stuff from the three of them. So it's going to be kind of a fun weekend to watch. Um, Depending on what the guys do, it might be a really fun weekend for Cardinals fans to watch because uh, they might have a few guys walking. Uh, so we'll see. 
I can say pretty much the same thing about the three guys that uh, that you'll see for the Cardinals right now. It's it's Miles Michaelis, Jack Flaherty, and Adam Wainwright, and at least two out of those three should be a pretty sure bet as far as getting solid starting pitching. It just hasn't worked out that way. Miles Michaelis has shown himself capable of being the guy that he was last year. He just hasn't done it consistently. He's giving up home runs at a pretty concerning rate right now. And then Jack Flaherty is just a guy that has he's he's very young and his career, and I have to remind myself of that because he's so talented that you want him to go out and pitch eight scoreless every time. Um, but he's not efficient enough to do that lately. He's been better in his last couple starts, um, but you know he's a guy that can throw a hundred pitches in five innings, and you, it's pretty normal. So he's been <laughs> he's been working on that a little bit because that tends to bite him. And then Adam Wainwright is kind of a wild card right now. He's um. He's been better than I think a lot of people expected, but he is, uh, unfortunately, the microscope is on him more because the rest of the rotation isn't doing what they should be doing at this point. But he's also quite capable of throwing, you know, six scoreless or, or giving up six runs in four innings. So it could be very interesting as far as the starting pitching is concerned, which makes the bullpens even more of the story, which could be good. <laughs> it could be very bad. The Cubs bullpen has been a bit of a roller coaster, really spending most of the season without an actual closer. <laughs> yeah. So what's the story been for the bullpen or, or where are you in this story right now with the current iteration of the Cubs bullpen? Yeah, this is this is a story. This is being told like Pulp Fiction, where it's <laughs> like in it's not really chronologically in order and there's weird stuff going on. You don't know what's really happening until you finally figured it out. But, you know, Brandon Morrow, still not back. Um, still not even in Chicago. He's doing a throwing program in Mesa. May not ever return. Who knows? Um, Pedro Strope is is nearing a return. Again, he's in a rehab outing. So that's good. Um, and he, I think it took him like six pitches to, to retire the side uh, last night's game when he, when he made a start there in AAA. Or not a start, but uh, made a, a relief appearance in, in AAA. But what happens then, so you've lost your closer, you've lost your backup closer and, and setup man, and now you're forced to sort of not only mix and match with guys in the closing role, but then you're calling guys up. The shuttle from AAA has really been fired up. And so Joe Madden's having to force guys into spots that they normally wouldn't be in. He's having to burn through long relievers and then sit them down. And so what you're left with is a bunch of guys who who realistically are not high leverage pitchers being forced into that position, and it's been kind of difficult. Um, thankfully, they they managed to close out a, a close one here recently with Steve Ciszek. They actually get a day off first time in a while. That compounded issues. You know, you play a couple weeks in a row, and uh, you know there's there's several guys they have that if used correctly and if in the right matchups are perfectly good pitchers. But when you're using Tyler Chatwood as a closer, that is that is as the kids would call suboptimal. Um, <laughs> I I watched it happen. I was there, and I didn't like any moment of it at all. I, that was it was it was nail biting. Um, so yeah, we'll see um, if they're if they're rested and they're healthy, they can have a really solid bullpen. But that is the problem: is that they have a lot less margin for error than even a normal bullpen. And we all know. Right, this is not a thing. No, nobody's, with the exception of a couple teams throughout history, nobody's got like the surefire lockdown bullpen that you're always like, oh man, I trust every single one of these guys to come in in any situation. That's foolish. But theirs is just, it's, 
at every point. If it's if it's less than five runs, and even then, uh, it's <laughs> dicey. And so you just it's like no lead is safe. Uh, so just pile it on early, and then please God let the starter go deep into the game. That's that's basically been the mo over the last couple of weeks. So, yay. <laughs> so that's the the weak link at this point. Um, I did want to ask about Chatwood. <laughs> Because that's been an interesting experiment in and of itself, right? Moving him to the bullpen on a permanent basis, mm-hmm. seeing some improvements there as far as what he's capable of, but still dealing with the insane amount of walks on occasion. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really weird, right? Because and that that's what I wrote about this um, maybe a week ago or so, and, and of course, like the day after I write that he should not be a closer because people were bringing it up then. Madden uses him as a closer and, and, it, and it worked. And, and so, you know, I'm like, yeah, but he gave up, yeah, he gave up two singles and then yeah. got, you know, a ground ball, double play and then a fly ball. Like it was all contact. Like that's the, not what you want your closer not to ideal. do. No, not at all. And that's the other thing is the bullpen in general, not a lot of high velocity and a ton of pitch to contact guys, which is not how you win ball games anymore. But the thing with chat with this interesting is moving him to the bullpen, as we often see with a lot of guys who have typically been starters, Velocity goes up. We've seen him hitting 96, 97, even 98 with that uh, with the two seam, which is really nice. He's got a ton of spin, right? And that's I know a lot of people look at that. And they go, oh, spin rate, you know, that's that's silly. This is newfangled stat, and that's a lot of what the Cubs bought into with him. Is is you know, hey, this guy's that spin that he throws, boy, he puts that on everything. He's really able to generate a ton of movement, and that's going to play better once he gets out of the thin air in Colorado. Uh, well, it it did, but to the extent that it all carried out of the zone, and so it was, <laughs> too much that movement. Wasn't really helpful. Yeah, it's like okay, dial that down. But he's he's actually throwing with a higher spin rate on most. You know, he's in the in the ninety fourth and above percentile with almost all of his pitches. But he's locating a little bit better. He's really busting righties inside. He's keeping the ball down, and so when he does pitch to contact, it's generally been somewhat weak. He's getting a lot of ground balls, and that's helped. But again, you're still talking about a guy who's going to walk people. He's going to he, – he doesn't miss a lot of bats. That's the really weird thing. It's normally yeah. you think, here's a guy throwing in the upper 90s. He's got insane movement. He's going to just get all, a ton of whiffs, and he really doesn't, which is, again, a little bit frustrating in light of the walk. So is he better than last year? Absolutely. Is he more reliable? Is he more consistent? Absolutely. Is he still a guy I trust with a small lead and coming in late in the ballgame? Not at all. So uh, we'll see how that plays. But I'm sure he will be in one of those situations or or a couple this weekend. So that's going to be fun. Who's the guy that you trust the most out of the bullpen right now? Okay, so I'm going to say I'm going to turn this around and say who's the person that I that I distrust the least. Okay. Um, because, <laughs> that's fair. There's nobody really. Um, Steve Cishek came on. So again, you know, for anybody who's watching this, it was Wednesday night and got a really quick one, two, three got out of it really quickly when he is rested. And the issue with that is he's, he's kind of a rubber arm guy. Joe Madden really trusts him. And so, you know, he, he made something like 80 appearances or, or something. It felt like 160 appearances last year. I mean, it felt like every game he was in there. And so when you're talking about a guy going for the third or the fourth night in a row, you know, the stuff just isn't going to be there. He's not a spring chicken anymore. That makes it kind of difficult. And if guys get to see him over and over again, all of a sudden, that kind of you know sidewinding submariner delivery is not so unique, right? It's it's something that they've been able to pick up on, and but again, used sparingly and used correctly when he's when he's ready to go. Love him out there. Um, 
I personally harbor a deep affection for Dylan Maples, who is, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's been kind of bouncing back and forth. And again, you talk about a guy who walks a lot of people, that's him. But to if, if there's anybody in that bullpen that I want to watch pitch, regardless of the outcome, it's him because it's the most exciting. He's got the best slider I've ever seen. And he throws it 98, 99 miles an hour with the fastball. And so when you can alternate that kind of stuff, so I, I am trying to will into existence his eventual control and movement into an eighth or ninth inning spot. And so I'm going to keep touting him as such. But outside of those guys, it really just comes down to, okay, who can we put in in this situation to ideally get a couple of outs? I don't trust any of them with my whole heart, but it is, you know, again, the right guy, Kyle Ryan, can come in against some lefties, saw them off. He's got a really weird kind of, his uh, his release point is so far to first base, more so than any other lefty in the game, which seems kind of strange. But then when you watch it, you'll notice it. It's definitely unique. He can get it done. Again, other than that, it's just, um, you know, hope it's a big lead and, and just don't give up too many runs. <laughs> cross your fingers and wait till it's over. Um, yeah, it's a really, that's a, it's a really uh, a very objective way to look at it, right? Just, uh, yeah. just score a bunch of runs and we don't need to use you. So. <laughs> hey, I mean, whatever works, right? Yeah. Um, I have to ask about this rivalry. Uh, the shirt, <laughs> talking about, yeah, I, there you go, there you go. I'm sure, um, no, I'm sure everyone will love that. Right? <laughs> uh, I love it. I think that there's an element to this rivalry that hasn't really been the same in the last couple of years. It felt like it was really there at the beginning of the season. The weird mate that the Cardinals have had might eliminate some of that, but nonetheless, it felt like these two teams really kind of felt like they were on an even playing field and the fan base was sort of feeding off of that. What do you make of what this rivalry is right now? Because it's had its own sort of shape-shifting story mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where I think you sort of look at it as the whole, right? Because if you take it in little bits, you say, well, I mean, we could look at it since... 2015 and, it, and it's been a little bit more one-sided in that regard based on success and you could you could look before that you could look at you know we can count up championships and and i think we all know uh which which way that would be would favor um you know at least if if, if we look in the you know prior to the last few years but um no i mean it, it's really weird because there's like this strange element to it where on one side there's sort of the seedy underbelly of it where everybody's you know mad at each other and and you know people are getting drunk and getting into fights in the stands but i know i've thoroughly enjoyed i've been to so many cubs cardinals games where it was like the most awesome experience i took my kids to st louis it was a great time the cardinals ended up walking it off but it was a 13 inning game and um you know we're staying downtown so we stayed through the whole game it's late at night and as we're leaving, all the Cardinals fans around us are complimenting my kids on how well-behaved they were, and there's all this stuff. There's the one idiot that was down in the corner, right? But otherwise, it was an awesome time. And so it's always so strange because I talk about going to St. Louis and just having a great time, and all these people are like, oh, man, I've, I've gone to St. Louis. It's been horrible. You know, the other way around, we buy beers for Cardinals fans at Wrigley. So I've always thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think there is something. Though, there's a little bit of an edge to it, right? The Cubs convention, Chris Bryant pops off and says, St. Louis is boring, it's a joke. Yada Molina doesn't take it as a joke, but that's kind of fun, right? Everybody's fired up. I there's love it. Reason. Yeah, <laughs> get good. And I, I wrote about that. I was like, this is awesome. Good, get pissed off. Let's make it fun. Yeah. Um, you know, don't and, – and you can take it up to a certain point. Right. And as long as you don't cross that line – then it's all that that we can all get riled up about it and and have fun on social media or whatever, and then at the end of the day, 
you know, we can we can kind of go our separate ways. But I think um, again, the Cardinals really ignited that with not not the not the boring stuff, but I mean, it really kind of making it back into a rivalry because we had seen this aging team and they didn't really seem to be making these big moves outside of Fowler and that didn't really work out. But then, you know, again, trying to go get Goldschmidt, trying to get some of these guys in there and bring that in and really use those young pitchers that they had as prospects, you know, to try to get Stanton. There's a lot there. They're going for it. And, and you like to see that, especially with, uh, with the central being what it is. And so I think, um, like I said, for me personally, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Although, I know not everybody thinks of it that way, and some people take it a little too seriously, but, uh, you know, to each his own. Right. Yeah. I, I try not to tell other people how to fan, but I do think that as soon as this thing happened with Chris Bryant, with Yachty, and with John Brebbia, and it just it blew up, and I was like, I hope this never goes away, because it is fantastic. <laughs> I love everything about it so much, because I think it's the it's the good part of the rivalry, right, where you can kind of poke at each other a little bit and... Um, keep that going regardless of what's happening on the field and uh, it just adds a little bit of personality I think that was the thing that I loved about it we saw some of the personality from these guys and so much of the time they're so closed off and they're so you know we're just going to give you the the typical baseball player answers to things and all of a sudden we saw people we didn't even know had personalities coming out of the woodwork and and taking jabs at the uh the rival I I thought it was great and I've uh so I've enjoyed that part of it, but um, it is interesting that where this rivalry has gone the last couple of years, and uh, I know that there are Cardinals fans who right now are having a hard time, hard time seeing it as much of a rivalry after the the month of May that we've endured. But this series is always interesting. I'm never comfortable going into a Cubs Cardinal series just because <laughs> anything can happen. So uh, certainly looking forward to uh, to this weekend and, and getting the Cubs on on home turf. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I know uh, things were a little lopsided from the from the first go round, but uh, you know the Cubs are kind of coming in. I think uh, a little. I don't. I don't know that they're necessarily road weary, but they've been a little bit beat up. And, and I think there's this. You know, there's a sense that they are again. They're at the top of the division, but every time. And I think that's one of the things. I know it's so cliche, but every time oh, you can throw the records out, but but really that's what it feels like. It's like no matter what's going on with one team or the other, you're going to end up with these games where it's. It's like a one-run lead going into the eighth or the ninth. Something is going to swing. There's going to be some kind of an insane play. You know, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna get upset about something. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and it's always you know, uh, although it's a little bit less so with no Mike Matheny around. Uh, you know, to to kind of get his rear end chapped up about something silly. But um, but everybody. But that's what again. Joe Madden's for, right? Right. That's exactly. Madden, <laughs> Madden will get upset about somebody. A Cardinals pitcher is going to step on the mound funny. Madden's yeah. going to come out and yeah. you know try to protest the game and and <laughs> see if he get thrown out. And it's uh, but no, it's 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 definitely cool. And and I hope we get a lot of our boring shirts uh, there in in St. Louis. Maybe people get kicked out for it. Ah, who knows? It's 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 always a wild time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it should be a, an interesting weekend on the baseball front because of what these two teams are doing. It is interesting to me, you mentioned what this division is going to look like. I mean, as as bad as the Cardinals have been in the month of May, they're far from out of it as far as the division is concerned, which is sort of mind-boggling to me that it's still even remotely close based on what yeah. we've seen. But it's this division is still going to get weird. I really think it is. So these games... These games matter maybe a little bit more for those teams that are trying to be at the top. So any little bit of momentum shift can be significant, I think. 
No, absolutely. I mean, look at look at the Reds. I mean, yeah. they're they're the they're the last place, you know. And people look at that, but I got to feel the Reds could really compete in a lot of other divisions, yeah. right? <laughs> if they once they actually start hitting, uh, then and and I mean the Pirates, where do they come from? What yeah. was that what supposed was that? to be? You know, so nobody. This is one of those where you know every one of these division games I think really matters, and and being able to kind of take care of business on your home turf. So it it is again the Cardinals have got a lot of play a lot to play for, and I think it's what is a five game. Uh, they're five games out. So, so yeah. I mean, again, you take a couple games, you sweep all of a sudden. Now you're talking two games or, or, you know, maybe three or four, but either way, they're far from out of it. The Cubs were five games out, nine games into the season and, and look what's happened from there. So, yeah. uh, the month of May might not look good, but, uh, the month of June might turn around for them. Who knows? Let's hope it stops raining long enough to play baseball. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can hear it, but it just started pouring for like the fourth or fifth consecutive day so hopefully it stops raining long enough to actually get some baseball in this weekend evan thank you so much for joining me and uh looking forward to it this weekend yeah looking forward to uh to seeing some good baseball and and ideally the cubs will at least if nothing else they will win for me on my birthday on sunday so we'll see so the cardinals cannot sweep because i need a win for my birthday, so as long as they can do me that, I think we'll be fine. I can't say that I wish that happens for you, because the last time <laughs> I was at a Cubs-Cardinals game on my birthday, uh, the Cubs destroyed Adam Wainwright, so I cannot wish for that to come true for you, but I do hope it's a good weekend nonetheless. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, the Cubs and the Cardinals are both coming off of wins. They each picked up the win in the last game of their previous series. The Cubs against the Houston Astros, the Cardinals against the Phillies. But is there really such a thing as momentum in baseball? Perhaps we'll find out. What I do know, the only thing that's predictable about a Cubs-Cardinals series is that anything can happen. Just like you heard me say, you heard Evan say, I have no idea what's really going to happen on the field. What I do know is that the Cardinals are better than they've played lately. The Cubs are as good as we probably expected them to be. So it's a toss up. We'll see what happens. Thanks again to Evan for joining me. Make sure that you follow him for all of your Cubs baseball needs, if there are any. And be nice, even if he was wearing the boring shirt. It's a friendly rivalry. Let's keep it that way. You can follow me on Twitter at Tara Wellman. You can always follow Birds on the Black at Birds on the Black. Just keeping it simple for you and look for all sorts of analysis and content there as well. I'm Tara Wellman and I'll see you next time.